uh, probably more tasteful until after 9-11 passes anyway. Uh, and then, well, too bad, you're going to be tasteful. Um, uh, well, which, because our manager is a tyrant. Yes. Uh, despite we, the fact we, that she, we, we are here for a, a, a respectful, uh, sensitive podcast. She is very good at her job. Yeah, now we've gone commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, being, we're being censored by our own uh, employees, which is... Exactly. I will say, <laughs> um, it's not in the slides, but uh, today begins, today or yesterday began the trial of the uh, September 11th hijackers um, uh, down in Guantanamo. Uh, and of course, they're going to be found guilty, but they shouldn't be because they were tortured for information. This whole thing has been a farce. So I know it's 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 not in the slides because I was too lazy to put it in, but um this country's sense of justice for what happened on 9-11 is uh that of a broken country with dumbass ideas. Uh and there's no there's not any sense of justice anyway, but torturing people and then getting some sort of kangaroo court conviction isn't my idea of uh, of a functioning system, but that's how the system was designed to function in the first place. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the world is fucking terrible. Who gives a shit? Next slide. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, obviously we should, we, should, we should start this episode um, respectfully. Uh, I would like uh, to say, uh, please all rise for the national anthem. Well, welcome to Well, There's Your Problem. It's a podcast about engineering disasters with slides. I'm Justin Rosniak. I'm the person who's talking right now. Um, anyway, now that we've weeded out everyone without a sense of humor, let's go. Uh, no, no, they're going <laughs> to stick pronouns, around. Pronouns. Oh, my pronouns are he Fuck. and him. Got your ass. <laughs> Alice Caldwell Kelly, she and her. You didn't say yay, Liam. Yay, yeah, Liam. Yay, yeah, Liam. Uh, <laughs> it didn't seem appropriate. It's a somber uh, occasion. You already, you, we already, we already blew that. Uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Liam Anderson. Uh, my pronouns are he and him. And for those of us who are going to leave uh, mad replies in the comments, uh, your government failed you, and mm-hmm. uh, we're not the ones to get mad at. We didn't crash the fucking plane into the Pentagon. I was about to say, yeah. Um, we also, we also didn't do some looming tower shit. So, yes, I implore you to read that fucking book. Oh my god, yes. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's, it's, it's a book and now a, a, it's a, a film Hulu, or a TV Hulu. series. It's a a TV Hulu series. TV series, yeah. Yeah, oh. about how the, the FBI and the CIA both kind of knew that 9-11 was going to happen or something or, very or like it. kind of 9-11. Yeah, right. I, I, and like, uh, due to sort of that like instinctive bureaucratic hostility, they both refused to share any useful information with each other, and in fact actively hindered each other. And then 9-11. Yeah. Well, uh, that, among other things, is something we may explore later in this episode. Our subject today is the Pentagon. But first, we have to do the goddamn news. Wow, someone stretched this photo. Yeah, me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't like having the like white space either side of it. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, the, the the climbs there are changing. The climate yeah. does appear to be changing. Uh, uh, 
this is fun. Okay, so uh, uh, yeah, uh, Hurricane Ida ripped through the East Coast. Having ripped through New Orleans, it just mm-hmm. continued to be an extremely strong storm. Overland. Yeah, just overland. overland. We should point that out. Here, here's a picture of uh, I-676 in Philly. Uh, you'll notice that it oh, is they a completed canal. the widening works. I was about to say, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's traversable by barge now. Um, <laughs> the, the Ever Given has blocked... I six seventy six. Yeah, it's um, it, it 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 it's interesting to be the guy who took the photo for the for the uh, goddamn news. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say, um, not in Philadelphia. I don't believe Philadelphia had any fatalities. Uh, I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but in our well, that guy who oh. dived into the flood water, he's oh, yeah, gonna he's die. Dead. That yeah. guy's dead. <laughs> that guy's dead. He doesn't, he doesn't know it. He might be walking around no, talking. No, but, yeah. he is. He is. He is well on his way. Deceased. To... Probably wanna probably wanna get a tetanus booster shot at least. Maybe a couple uh, of them, really. <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, a, I, I think that it's a course of like six shots to get the if you know, actually have been exposed. Booster. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because when I hit my head, they gave me a tetanus booster. But um, mm-hmm. I uh, I will say that uh, as as our resident social justice monkey, um, yeah, people drowned in the suburbs uh, of Philadelphia. Four people, I believe, drowned. Uh, some people Rosna used to live with, uh, their house was flooded out, and all their shit is destroyed. Yes, um, and of, of course, New York City was destroyed. New York City was destroyed, as yes. we know from our from the wreckage of the live show. Um, I will say, like, yeah, it's all climate change. I I know people keep talking about that tweet about climate change is watching disasters uh, from someone else's cell phone until you're the one holding the cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, this shit is pretty fucking scary, and uh, people drowned in basement apartments in New York. There's something really haunting. Uh, someone published about two guys trying to get their roommate out, realizing he wasn't with them, and all they could do was listen to his dying screams. Yeah, uh, we live in a profoundly unjust world. Uh, I'm really well, fucking the, the, tired the, of it. The city uh, of New York has announced though that they're going to fix this by uh, giving people who they believe to be living in basement apartments targeted notifications on their phones. Oh, great, cool. Oh my that's, god, yeah, wow, really wow. fucking that's fixing the, the issue, that's, boys. That's the whole plan, by um, the way. Neoliberalism uh, uh, is a is a is a rotten fucking thing. Mm. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's all tight. Uh, everything's great. Parasite uh, was a documentary. Right, you yes. you are simply paralyzed to do nothing while capitalism destroys the very ground beneath you, and then you're expected to bend over and say, thank you, Mr. Bezos, aren't you wonderful? Mm-hmm. And idiots on Twitter will criticize you uh, for having a joke with your dad. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, I fucking hate this place. Hmm. It's not, it, it's not good. Yeah, it's not good. I believe it would be a prudent decision at this time to try and uh, avoid living in a basement apartment if possible. Mm. Well, that's the thing. Nobody, nobody lives in one of those things by choice. I yeah. mean, it's New York City. It's yeah, but... our advice. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we yeah. hope your landlord has <sighs> a nice time. Right, yeah, yeah. It, it, invite your landlord to have a nice time and then live in, in their apartment, which is probably <laughs> much nicer. Uh, also, uh, not that electoralism matters, but I... Uh, you can be as, as uh, you you can scream in these people's fucking faces. Uh, they work yeah. for you. Uh, get real hostile. Throw some eggs at some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, just follow them around screaming and chanting. Uh, make their daily existence miserable. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. If if we're gonna go down, they should come down with us. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, spe- speaking of electoralism, doesn't matter. Um, oh yeah, Roe v. Wade's <laughs> illegal now. Yes. <laughs> At about have- the same time that uh, Mexico legalized abortion because of riots, which goes to show you that riots work. Yeah. Uh, state Bill Eight is it? State Bill Eight or State Bill yes. Three? State Bill Eight. Yeah. State Bill Three is the voting restrictions. Oh great! I love I love that I can't tell the everyone in this photo should have a nice time. Yeah. Uh, So so it's it's now not only is it uh, illegal to uh, to terminate a pregnancy medically in Texas after like basically any time at all. It's like six weeks, which is uh, by that point most people don't know that they're pregnant. Uh, Mm -hmm. But also the the state is now empowering that like the rat line. Yeah, or yeah. anybody, like even somebody who lives outside of Texas, can now bring a private suit against anybody or any organization that, um, like, in any way facilitates an abortion happening. I will say, people have been apparently uh, cramming the ho- the the tip line with Shrek porn. Yes, and, good. Uh, the Nazi host, uh, their web host, uh, is a company called Epic, who often hosts, uh, I believe, hosted like Daily Stormer. Yeah, and, uh, literally led like, by a guy called Rob Monster. Like yeah, that's his actual uh, name. He has no. He's decided to no longer host the the rat website. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you're, if at some point, if you're too gruesome for the Nazis, uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe reconsider. Mm-hmm. Especially this guy back here in the hat. I want to punch him oh, in the it's face. Just the a, most. Like a, this fucking tableau of humanity here. Yeah, I do. Uh, it's the worst image I could think of. Uh, the the reason they're all doing this with their hands is because it's called yeah. the heartbeat yes. act. Oh my god! Uh, because like it's essentially like the, that's the point at which there is a fetal heartbeat that's detectable yeah. in the fucking clump of cells. I I hope all every single person in this photo has a nice time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is not, uh, you know, I'm just gonna say, it, you, you can bleep it out. <laughs> yeah, you leave, leave in the axe part, I think. Yeah, I, I, dude, I'm, I'm not in the fucking mood today, obviously. I don't I'll, think any of us are. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, today's yeah. not been a good day. Yeah. Uh, personally. And, and, uh, and well, the, well, the good news is that, uh, Pre- President, President Biden has exercised strong leadership on this issue by, uh, Kicking it to the curb! Kicking it to the curb, yeah. To the curb, yeah. It, it's, it's, essentially, it's a massive for the Supreme Court if they decide to get around to it, and Which the Supreme they have, Court, by allowing it to go through and wait for the challenges. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really annoying how like the Democrats uh, basically refuse to take any kind of offensive stance on. Um, no, this is entirely abortion. so they can you know, so they can raise money, dude. It is. The Democratic it's, it's, Party exists only as a machine to generate raise money weepy fundraising emails. Yeah, that's, that's it. Like that's it. Our our hearts are broken. Give us sixty dollars. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's the Republicans are are at least good at what they do. They just ram shit through. I mean, you have a majority. Uh, I don't know if you're if you're if you're Chuck Schumer. What you do is you go into Joe Manchin's office and you hold a thirty-eight to his head <laughs> and you say, "Wouldn't you like to pass the Pro Act, Joe?" Yeah. And he says, "Yes, sir, I would." Yeah, it's like Roe versus Wade uh, for the Democrats seems to be like an instrument used for party discipline rather than yeah. anything they want yeah. to like make any progress because on. Because if, if, right? you, if right. you wanted to change it, you would have to do some things that would uh, not be decorous. You would have to do things like immediately fire the Senate parliamentarian, right. or yes. campaign on, uh, like, I'm gonna add 26 Supreme Court justices, they're all gonna have pink hair. 
Yes. Uh, and and they're all gonna like make they're gonna write their pronouns into the beginning of all of their uh, their rulings. Yes. Oh, they're all gonna wear brooches. They're gonna wear special brooches for when they disagree. Put me <laughs> on know, the Supreme I, Court. I, I have finally come around, but I put my dad on the Supreme Court. <laughs> you know what I do want to talk yeah. about is this ventriloquist doll come to life behind the Jeb clone. Mm. You got uh, you guys see who I'm talking about? Which guy? Oh, yeah. Bottom left. The yeah. Vin- I yeah. see him. I see him. Where? You see this guy uh, next to the woman in the yellow pantsuit. Oh, sure enough, yeah. I try not to make fun of people based on their looks because look at me. Uh, <laughs> but like, holy shit, dude, get out of the sun! <laughs> you, you, you need to wear a big floppy hat everywhere you go, and, and maybe, maybe go back to the crib from which I, you're crawled I, out of. I, I, I'm a big fan of cowboy hat guy. Like mm. uh, wearing wearing my Stetson to the heartbeat bill signing. So <laughs> have a nice t- whatever, dude. Uh huh. Life is exhausting. Um, but, uh, life is pain. Nothing good happens anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a decaying empire, uh, and one day we will collapse into the sea, and mm-hmm. we'll all be better for it. The good news is it's uh, relatively safe and relatively easy to get yourself abortifacent pills and uh, do your own abortion in a way that is uh, yep. unprovable by the state of Texas or anywhere. Uh, uh, there is there is a piece that you can Google about that, and I guess we can link that in the description. Also, and speaking of links in the description, yes, uh, th- we're also going to put some links in for donating to Texas abortion funds, which this bill is an attempt to like club to death with uh, vexatious lawsuits. Um, and if you uh, donate to them and then email us the receipt at wtypod at gmail you get the bonus episodes like forever, which is yes. The best deal we can give you, at least. Yeah. Um, solidarity with the people of Texas who need healthcare, not solidarity with these people who should all possible. Yeah, looking uh, like a good way to fill a ditch, this photo. Yeah, look, look oh at, my yeah, god. Kneel him over. No, Roz, it has not been a good day. Yeah, I'm going to have, have to edit, edit this out. I'm going to have gonna to edit this, this, this is going to, this segment's going to sound like I th- think they should have <laughs> a nice time. Yeah. I, I listen. I my my fucking anger has to go somewhere. I uh, I try to be nice and respectful to the people in my life because I love them very much. Mm-hmm. It's hard to deal uh, with depression and anxiety, and in my case, uh, schizoaffective disorder. Mm. And I love the people in my life very much. Uh, and so my unrelenting, uh, uncontrollable rage uh, goes out to the people in this photo, who I hope are one day knelt over a ditch and shot. Yeah, and, you're like uh, um, you're like a white hat hacker. You're like using your powers for good. Yeah, yes. uh, and stay pissed off at these people. Uh, they're not your friends. You don't know shit to fascists. And it's uh, not it's not gonna stick like one way or the other. And I don't mean hopes. I don't I don't mean that in the oh rely on the Supreme Court, trust the process kind of way. I just mean like it is an essentially unenforceable law. Um, like. If like people need abortions, they're gonna get abortions. It's just a question of right. uh, how, how much. How hard this, do you make it? Yeah, right. h- how much the state kind of fumbles around, embarrassing itself, trying to prevent them. People uh, have always had. People have always gotten abortions. People have always needed to not be pregnant. Yeah. Uh, people have always had trouble having children. People pregnancies have always gone wrong. Um, we are not a perfect species. Uh, people need access to abortion for a myriad of reasons. Uh, it's none of the state's goddamn business why you need one. Yep. It's no one's business but your own, possibly your doctors, 
And if your doctor says, oh, I can't do that, uh, you should make him have a nice time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and you should get a, you should get a second doctor. And yes, too. <laughs> <laughs> All Not right. the second doctor. Hopefully, the second doctor is, is better at his job. But <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> All right, well, it's a universal jobs program digging these ditches. Yeah, well, that's that's my that's my Green New Deal. Is we're gonna need a lot of ditch diggers. <laughs> what makes the grass grow, Liam? Oh, it's the blood of fascists. That's right. We're, yes. we're watering the tree of liberty with the blood of the entire state of Texas. <laughs> sorry, boys. <laughs> I'm sorry, Justin. We just needed not, to get actually. that. It's, it's, it's <laughs> been a day. <laughs> well, I mean, just think. Uh, if you voted Democrat, this wouldn't have happened. Oh wait. Oh my hey, god. Hey, dude. Hey, I live in a swing state, motherfucker. Oh my I can, god. I can justify anything. She's electable <laughs> if you fucking vote for her. Thank you. So, uh, listen, I threw up in my trash can, I voted for Hillary Clinton, and then I did self-flagellation for the next 12 hours, as uh, opposed to doing what I actually did, which just pass out drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, if you're in Texas, electoralism works, because then you can get shit like this passed. Yes. Maybe maybe the problem is the people you're running. But yeah. she is electable well, if you well, vote well, for well, her. What yeah. we need to do is to refashion the Democratic Party into a, a sort of like scorched earth culture war organization, but from the opposite side. One that yes. is willing to use every uh, evil, dirty, low-down yeah. trick possible in order to get yep. its agenda yep. passed. Yep. Yep. Whether that's like a you know a, a long, decades-long sleeper campaign of a long march through the federal courts, or whether that's pure intransigence in Congress. Uh, and but, but that should have started about 25 years ago. You people are going to get universal healthcare whether you like it or not. <laughs> you are going to go to the free doctor whether or not you want to. In conclusion, resurrect Huey Long and give him a Gundam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Huey, Huey Long's Supreme Court would have legalized abortion in 1937, but it, also... And it's 81 justices. Yeah, it's 81 yeah. justices <laughs> all surnamed Long. Yeah. <laughs> I got what you have a taste. <laughs> well, I do declare. All right. That was yeah, the goddamn yeah, let's, go, let's just let's just let's get through it. it. Let's let's just get through it. Okay. So I thought it'd be fun maybe to talk about the Pentagon history and some of the predecessor buildings to the Pentagon. Oh, check out this wedding cake. I oh, hate yeah. it. Oh, 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 look at it. It's Second Empire. Do do you like that shit, Roz? Do you like that shit? <laughs> Yo, you it's- remember that week on Twitter where everything was made of cake? I feel like this is the architecture. <laughs> Why does the guy in the foreground look like he's standing, uh, like he's an army guy standing on a pedestal? He's like directed- one of those green he- army guys. Yeah, he's, he's a traffic cop. He's a traffic cop. Yeah. Why is the pedestal only like an inch tall? <laughs> because <laughs> no one's driving we, that fast. Because we had to like humiliate traffic cops to keep them in their place. It was a different time. Uh, bring yes. that back. That's the only <laughs> thing we can bring back from, from this era. So and this Mark Twain, I guess. This is the State War and Navy Building, right? Um, and this was the early... I'm at the Combination State Department Building, War Department Building, Navy Department Building. Yes. I quite like it. I really, I am a sucker oh, for Second Empire. No, yeah. it looks like the it looks like the Lego sets of like towns that you could never quite afford when you were a kid. <laughs> uh, I was an only child, so I could afford them. But uh... 
Mark Liam, Twain you're cancelled for having too yeah. much money. <laughs> oh, we're all, we're all, apparently all of us are. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Twain called this the ugliest building in America. Um, mm-hmm. Mark, and he was wrong. <laughs> this was the um, early headquarters of the American military, sort of immediately post-Civil War. It was commissioned by Ulysses S. Grant. It was built from 1871 to 1888, right? Oh, you, could, you could plan a genocide from this building, and they did. Yes. Um, it's a, you know, big, dumb second empire type building. It was the world's largest office building when it was finished. Um, and this is going to be a theme had, Mm. uh, 566 rooms, 10 acres of floor space. Right. And over the next 40 years, and especially during world war one, the intended tenants outgrew the building as the American imperial war machine, you know, the great Satan, America, Kaka. Uh, outgrew it, right? Yeah, more more guns, more ammunition, more boots, more beans, more bureaucrats, more administrators, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So during World War One, right? Um, FDR, who was the uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, obviously the Assistant Secretary of the Navy, put forth the idea of since we're so space constrained, we should build some temporary buildings. For military administration, right? Um, and uh, this led to the erection of the main navy and munitions buildings, right? Sm- small aside, it is very funny to me that people think that FDR had like advanced knowledge of Pearl Harbor and let it happen. He didn't. <laughs> when when you consider how much of a fucking simp he was for the navy, a thing that I approve of a great deal, but like. <laughs> It, like, not only was he assistant secretary of it, pretty much by choice, like, that was his job that he wanted, he used Anchors Away as his campaign song and shit. Like, he <laughs> he, he wanted to have been an admiral, uh, and so he, I guess, let Pearl Harbor happen. Anyway. Now that yeah. said, we did let the Japanese invasion of the Aleutians happen. That's true. Because we had cracked their code and knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, for more, please see the Lions Led by Donkeys episode on the Battle of the Aleutian Islands. Uh, but literally, no one no no one lives there, uh, or at least on many of the islands the Japanese invaded. Um, obviously, some native peoples do live there. God bless them. Uh, but yeah, we knew it was coming. We just wanted to stick them there for a while. Mm-hmm. So FDR's idea was: these buildings going to be cheap. They were going to be made of wood, so that they'd be, and they were going to be really ugly. He wanted really ugly buildings. The idea being. Everyone well, would he want got them, his wish. Holy shit! <laughs> everyone would want them torn down immediately after the war. Um, uh, the, the Drexel solution. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the smart, what he wanted was to have them on the White House front lawn, right? <laughs> I, 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 I do kind of like that idea. Of just be, being like, yeah, fuck you. They're, they're just here <laughs> now. You guys like the YouTube? You love this shit. <laughs> so, he he got one of those things. The buildings were ugly, um, but no, I don't see the wood. Yeah, no, they were made of concrete, and they put them on the National Mall, right? Mm. Um, so these uh, these were the total floor space of these. Um, I mean, and I'm just talking about the munitions building and the Navy building, right? Which are these two guys. There were a whole host of other temporary buildings built as well. You can see all, everything here is just temporary buildings, right? Um, you know, the, these these buildings were some of the largest temporary buildings ever constructed. There was twice the floor space of the State War Navy building, right? Um, and uh, 
after World War One, they couldn't quite shrink down the military administration to what it was before, right? Oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like it's like a ratchet. It only goes in mm. one direction. Yes. Yeah. So the buildings stayed up, and in fact, in World War II, they were expanded. Um, but there were plans afoot for a more permanent building, since while these temporary buildings were particularly solid temporary buildings, they all started having major issues after only a few decades, right? Um, I do remember a story about these buildings in World War II, which is in the early days of the OSS. Um, Bill Donovan used to train agents by having them like try to plant dummy bombs on or in these buildings. <laughs> Apparently, this was extremely easy to do. So, this is what we like to call radical architectural criticism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you know, it now go up there with this, but bo this bomb just says. I don't appreciate this form or the use of materials. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think this building's a little monotonous. Um, you should really try and break up the um, break up the massing, and then you just detonate the bomb. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that later. Well, this is true. Uh, now, one of the things about these buildings is you know they they survived World War II, and then they stayed up until I think 1970 was when finally. They started. They were falling apart so badly um, that Nixon was like, "Okay, yeah, we're going to tear these things down." Um, and they had to buy a whole bunch of office space, I think, in Crystal City, which is across the river, in order to fit the people who would who still didn't fit into what was supposed to be uh, the end, the last building they would have to build for the DoD, right? Which was the Pentagon. Sort of the, the, the whole process of expanding federal bureaucracy out into uh, Maryland and Virginia. To meet the needs of the expanding bureaucracy, Hollis. That's right. The bureaucracy will expand to the uh, space it is allowed. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we all, we all played Civ Four, Roz. Th there's yeah. a lot of things that a modern state needs that require a bunch of like office buildings in like Suitsville or Beltsville with a bunch yeah. of like antennas on the roof. Yes, don't worry about it. I my favorite, although they're not they're not technically the DoD, is the NSA exit <laughs> at the NSA exit at Fort Meade. Uh, Roz took a picture of it once and captured it. Uh, secret government shenanigans. Next right, do not look. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it just says uh, it just says this exit uh, the NSA. Yeah, and it's like um, the exit. The CIA for, um, have one of those too. Yeah, the CIA yeah, has an exit you're not supposed to use either. Um, or look at. <laughs> yeah, no. I I think my 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 favorite uh, transparent op in that sort of area is there's a there's a catering company that like nominally delivers food to to schools and stuff in that area that doesn't deliver to any schools has a bunch of silvered out windows. Unmarked white vans going in and out all the time, and a massive satcom antenna on the roof. And I'm just like, nice. I no, that's actually a catering company. You know is that, it? right? Yeah. Is it actually? No, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, damn it, I'm stuck in a fucking like puzzle palace here. Fuck. I, I do like the idea of uh of them being like, yeah, no, we're actually uh the, we're actually the caterers. We don't do anything except cater to uh, other intelligence agencies. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Someone would have to do it. 
The Pentagon North parking exit is actually a, a frequently used commuter shortcut between Washington Boulevard and the Richmond Highway. No, uh, did there Dallas used to be a yeah. Burger King in the basement of the Pentagon, or am I there, thinking of something still else? still is. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Um, they couldn't take that from us, goddammit. Yes, so, <laughs> so we replaced the catastrophically ugly pair of buildings with, with, uh, um, with a five-sided, catastrophically ugly building. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this, uh, the Pentagon was, you know, supposed to be, th- this is it. This is the big building we need. This is all we need. It's truly enormous, right? Five stories above ground, two stories below ground, 150 acres of floor space, right? Currently houses about twenty three thousand employees. I think more when it was built, though. Um, and these yeah, are they've all gone out to Crystal City and all that shit. Yeah. Mm. Um, this was built on the site of Hoover Airfield in Arlington, Virginia, um, as well as built on the site of a black neighborhood called Hell's Bottom. Right. You know, because mm. you got to get some what racism in there. What the fuck yeah. you, you can't build anything in America without doing some racism. Yes, That's just exactly. Inherent. Speaking of uh, racism, it was also designed to be a segregated facility. Because it's oh, yeah, in this Virginia. Is, this is this is the one the one fact that everybody knows about the Pentagon is that it has twice as many bathrooms as it needs to because it was built with segregated bathrooms. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, Eisenhower actually refused to enforce the segregation. He he gave he gave an order saying, "Don't just don't don't do it. Just just don't do it." <laughs> Come on, Which guys. is the kind of federal government that, you know, you like occasionally. Yeah. Where you're just like, oh, fuck you. Uh, additional additional uh, a fun piece of racism here is um, this highway right here. Uh, this is the Jefferson Davis Highway. Same uh, one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this was not renamed until like a couple years ago, I think. <laughs> Virginia just stuck it right up there at the border with the district, uh, you know, despite uh, the union, I guess. Um, Sends so, a message. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have God. What's the what's the big base in uh, North Carolina? Fort Bragg. We have Fort Hood. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Uh, because those men were heroes, or whatever fucking thing. Uh, also, while I'm at it, uh, haha, the statue of General Lee came down. Ha 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 ha. Trump is mad about this Trump too, which just makes it all the sweeter. I, you know what? I will say, I saw he was, he's going to comment on a boxing match, which is our counter programming because that boxing match is on 9 11. Uh, I, someone find me a way to pirate that stream. Oh, yeah. That's going to be <laughs> yeah. an American event, you know? Yeah. So this building uh, was built with five concentric rings of offices, ring A through ring E, right? Um, you know, it's different rings of offices because it's an old building built before air conditioning, so all the offices were designed to have cross ventilation. I do have a question. Yes. Why was it not built as a skyscraper? Because this was the forties. Skyscrapers like the Empire State Building and shit was up by then. Do we it, know? Like uh, cause the I would assume it was as part of the LaFont plan. I believe oh, okay. there was uh, a sort of a concerted effort here to um, avoid ruining views of you know all the various monuments on the mall. Okay, right. I mean, it was not subject obviously to the height limit in the district, but you know, right. It, well, that's why I was asking. Yeah. If you're building in Virginia, you're not subject to the height limit. 
Mm. Yeah, but I, 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 I think gotcha. it's just that you, you have the space, right? You, Plus, that's, it, that yeah, was my other awesome. thought. Yeah. It, like, it makes it also look a bit less vulnerable, a bit more imposing, a bit more fortification-ish, I guess. Because it does look like a star fort, which I yes. imagine was yeah. part of the of the thinking. Okay. Yeah, I think it was it was originally designed as a pentagon because it was supposed to go slightly north of here at a site called um, uh, what's it? Arlington Farms, which was uh, temporary GI housing, which was built on top of Robert E. Lee's plantation, hence Arlington <laughs> Farms. Um, but uh, they wound up moving it south uh, because Hoover Airfield was, I guess, cheaper, had better access, and they could also demolish a black neighborhood, which is you know something you always want to do for a big construction project, right? Oh, it's like a fringe benefit if you're a, exactly. you know, a DOD planner. Um, and this, this building has, you know, the center courtyard here is called ground zero because Ooh. that's where everyone thinks the bomb is going to hit. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, military humor. I, I actually, um, <laughs> I, I know another example of this, which is the, uh, the, one of the sort of like the first Soviet or post-Soviet, po first Russian attache to, to chafe, uh, like yeah. allied headquarters, Europe. When he left, left a farewell gift of like planting a couple of uh, I think it was like beech trees, poplar trees in the courtyard, and this was a very elaborate pun because uh, a poplar in Russian is the uh, the code name for one of their um, ICBMs. So ah. he finally he finally got to put a couple in the place he where they were going to go. There was there was good I've for heard... him, man. That that's that's commitment to the bit. We like to see that. There was some debate in Soviet intelligence, if I'm not mistaken, um, about what exactly was in the center of the courtyard, because there was a little building there that they always saw high-ranking generals and military personnel going to, and they thought it was some kind of, I don't know, there's some kind of secret entrance to like an underground facility or something there. Um, well, it was a hot dog stand. Uh, <laughs> That 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 main sort of central park bit also like has a special status in military law in terms of like uh, when you're allowed to wear fucking hats outdoors and shit. It's like an exceptional case because the military is very normal. Going to the hot dog stand counts as an ex exceptional case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, oh, good. Um, America number one. I, th I think it's like you might not have to like salute people. Uh, or, or We're something. all equal at the hot dog. Communism's greatest victory. God's children at the hot dog. This building was built for sort of really easy highway access. You can see all these uh, clover leaves here, right, from the various freeways going through. You may also notice a series of ramps leading into the building, right? That is, of course, because the original design for the Pentagon had a very large bus station in the basement, right? Um, and this was not just for serving the building itself. It was a big bus transfer station. It still is to this day. It's just not yep. in the basement anymore. They had to move it out of the basement, not just for security reasons, but because there was no ventilation. Um, oh. Yeah, so it sort of filled with smoke pretty quickly. They, they tried ventilating the smoke for a while, and eventually, I think like in the 70s, they just moved the bus station out. Um, right around when Metro came through, I think. Or maybe slightly before, because this does also now have a metro station, which is also mm. a major transfer point. Um, so 
And this building broke ground, funnily enough, on September 11th, 1941. Happy anniversary? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Not happy, I suppose. But, you, know. <laughs> you, you may be interested to know that the form factor of the Pentagon is something that other countries have since sought to imitate. Yes. And the, current, the current military junta of Egypt is hard at work as part of their general plan to build a new capital city apart from Cairo. Uh, they're building the Octagon. Oh my god. They, they've got they have gone up, and you can see concept drawings where it's like a big. It looks like it's about to fire a laser out of the middle. It's a series of concentric octagons built in a sort of like pseudo pharaonic style. So it, it it's it's had some architectural impact. Let's say every time every time that they um every time a new uh too big for its britches military dictatorship uh mm-hmm. starts off, they're gonna they're gonna build a building with like one more side. Until it's basically a circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jo- join me in the command center that looks like a fucking D twenty. Yeah, this is uh, this is our this is our one hundred and twenty eight gun. Because we ran out of we ran, we out, ran of, out of names. We ran out of names. Yeah, I think it goes up to like uh, I have no idea what it goes up to. Uh, you could probably like bash something together out of the Latin pretty quickly. You can do, do like Seska Quipper hexagon or whatever. I uh, let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, there have been not too many like major security incidents at the Pentagon until what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, famously, you know, back in back during the Vietnam War, October twenty first, nineteen sixty seven, thirty thousand thirty five thousand people came to protest the Vietnam War here. They tried, they, they tried to levitate it. They did try to levitate. They They tried to uh, yeah. levitate the Pentagon. Oh, did yeah. it work? Yeah, uh, my dad yeah. was there. Yeah, that's dead. <laughs> that's not a joke. Yeah. My They're dad like, was there. <laughs> they levitated it. They turned it one face clockwise, and then they put it back down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, Power no. The people. Good thing the building was so symmetric, or there'd be uh, some found oh, yeah. there'd be some structural damage from that. It's, it's totally fine, but everybody's really irritated because their office is in a different wing now. Yeah. Yeah, I like the view. They got to shuffle everyone around the building now. <laughs> um, you know, this is where this famous photo of uh, George Harris here putting the flowers and the rifles, right? Uh, fun fact George Harris, also a drag queen, uh, performed huh. under the stage name Hibiscus, started a uh, gay performance group called the Coquettes, right? <laughs> and they would, uh, they would drop acid and sing show tunes. Dudes rock. Mom? <laughs> um but one of the things about the pentagon is because it's so remote from the city um and sort of has a hostile location right there's not a huge number of demonstrations which occur here right yeah it's Um, out of town a guy did set himself on fire on the steps outside robert mcnamara's office once uh, to protest the vietnam war there's a bit about it in the the documentary fog of war which uh, which is a series of interviews with mcnamara where psychopath that he is, he's just like, oh man, don't like that, and then just got back to work. Uh, I know in 1972, the Weather Underground bombed a women's room. Yeah, <laughs> in the Pentagon. Uh, the uh, Weather Underground. Yes. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I I have mixed feelings. All right, because like half the Weather Underground actions are like, yeah, we uh, like I don't know, robbed a wages van and shot two security guards and four more cops in order to fund. An act of terrorism, and then the act of terrorism is we blew up a toilet. <laughs> Bring the war home, Alice. 
<laughs> like Chaser Boudin's dad got uh, uh, got fucking uh, just got parole, I think, for a Weather Underground thing for being the driver in one of those wages van robberies. Um, but on the other hand, you know, blowing up a toilet. Yeah, <laughs> blowing up a toilet. This is funny. Yeah, that is true. It's kind of funny. Um, all right. So anyway, that's some background on the building. Now I have to talk about some background on Al Qaeda. <laughs> I've I've heard of these guys. Yeah, yeah, not too popular anymore. Everyone sort of moved on to ISIS now. But um, mm. you know, I understand. Old heads know. Old heads know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm into that kind of terrorism. You probably even haven't heard of. Before ISIS was cool, I was in the Mujahideen. <laughs> Al, Al Qaeda, as you said, means means the base, uh, yeah. whereas Daesh means uh, the cringe. Yes. <laughs> so there have been a oh, lot of like get canceled. Been... <laughs> I am not actually calling Al Qaeda base. Thank you. Yeah, just as a as a you do not. It turns out have to hand it to Al Qaeda. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody actually knows where that name comes from, by the way. Like there's a really? bunch of different Yeah, there's a bunch of different theories because like the word is as as far as I know, as ambiguous almost in, in Arabic as it is in English. So uh there, there have been suggestions that it refers to like a database, but also like a foundational base because bin Laden's deal was sort of like you would bring him a terrorist plot ready made and he would like supply the training and the funding and the shit. But like uh, nobody actually knows for certain. Bunch of guys in his office trying to like pitch terrorist plot, pretty like much, they're trying to pretty, pitch a screenplay. Yeah, right? he, he was pretty much like a terrorist venture capitalist. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a curiously like um, unreligious, unideological name for a group. The base. Yeah. I mean, if you're fundamentalist, could it be? I don't know too much about Wahhabism, but is that like? You know, sort of a rough translation <laughs> of fun, like fundamental to, to base. me. I I I haven't I, heard anything like that. It could be, but uh, I certainly don't know. No, you, I don't. You, I, yeah. I, I I don't. I, I don't think of it for myself as like a religiously charged term at all. So I don't like these right. new. I don't like these new hip hop style terrorists like ISIS. <laughs> I, I like these lunch pail terrorists. <laughs> we need to go back to Al Qaeda. They got good fundamentals. They got hustle. <laughs> They, <laughs> they know how to grind, you know, you don't see that in these new boys. You know, they're all about the flash. You know, what happened, what happened to, to, to you know, the good old days where you'd, where you'd simply blow up an embassy? I don't need to see that with beheadings. You know, you know Liam, Liam, I, I, I see these new Daesh guys, they just put out <laughs> videos. All they do is they put out videos. <laughs> I've never seen, I've never seen anything even approaching uh, like a 9-11 style attack. <laughs> no, no, no. They're just glory boys. Just more glory so, boys. So, so, so remember how at the beginning of this we said Anne-Marie was trying to get us to be sensitive? <laughs> I think we're doing a great job. <laughs> uh, Let's talk about Operation Cyclone. And, all right, right. Right. and so, sorry. <laughs> there's been a lot of big brain takes in the press recently, right, about, you know, how no, we actually didn't fund Al-Qaeda or the Taliban, right? And this is mm -hmm. true in a really pedantic sense, right? It's okay, a, it's a terminological inexactitude. We, yes. we funded, in particular, like a network of, of Gulf financiers, and we also funded a, a cross-border operation 
led by a guy called Jalaluddin Haqqani, um, because he was seen as very sort of pliable. And uh, incidentally, that guy's kid, now currently the interior minister of uh, the new Emirate of Afghanistan. Actually, my, my pedantry was more that uh, we did totally fund the Taliban. It just didn't happen to always be the Mujahideen. It, it used to be a bunch of Pakistanis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just that my problem is more that just they're not the same organization. Yeah, we we, yeah. we, well, we did fund them. I'll, yeah. I'll be very clear on that. I'm playing both sides, so I yeah. always come out on top. In order yes. to like uh, yes. fu- fuck with the Soviets, yeah. 1946. We, we, we funded the we funded the Northern Alliance. Uh, we you know we funded uh, Masood, probably not as much as we should have done. We funded Dostum, uh, probably more than we should have done. Uh, we uh, funded also, but we also funded the Haqqani network. So mm-hmm. uh, there was an incident in Syria. A few mm. years ago, where uh, I believe NSA-backed rebels were fighting CIA-backed rebels. Oh, classic, classic move. And I mean, the the, the thing about um, about Jalaluddin Haqqani, who very very interesting guy, uh, it was that like as part of his deal of being the most uh, internationally connected mujahid, he was the first one to call for foreign fighters to yes. come and do jihad in Afghanistan, yep. and that's what caused the first influx. Of um, largely Arab uh, fighters to you know go and fight the Soviets in Afghanistan, and that's the sort of like um, ethnic base, if you like, of what would become Al Qaeda. Right. I I before anyone gets mad at me and say that I uh, am part of the CIA in the comments again. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just as critical of U.S. foreign policy as you are. Mm-hmm. I just don't trust your sources all that. Yeah, you can't you can't sorry. be out you can't be out here relying on on the fucking gray zone, okay? Yeah, it, it, sorry it, it, about it. That was <laughs> that was the publication in question. Yes. Okay. So, for reference, this is in the context of the Soviet Afghan War, right? You know, we're funneling money to the Mujahideen. Which, by, by the way, yeah. since uh, since I didn't get enough of people telling me I was being too critical of the Soviet Union on the Romania episode, was uh. It, uh a series of inexcusable war crimes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, definitely for more, check out the Lions Led by Donkeys episodes about the Soviet-Afghan war. Do, doing doing shit. Doing shit that made me lie look like preschool. Yes. <laughs> so th- We've sort of funneled billions of dollars, as Alice said, through various sources, one of which is through the Pakistani Intelligence Service, right? The the ISI, Inter Services Intelligence, this was Operation Cyclone, we were funding them from like 1979 to 1989, Uh, there's some limited funding afterwards, you know, the idea is to give the Soviets major headaches, especially in the countryside, right? These Mujahideen. bleed them white. These uh, Mujahideen are a diverse, you know, fractured set of militia groups, but the main thing they had in common, they didn't like the Soviets, they wanted an Islamic government, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the funding for this is not just all through the USA. Um, you know, there's from private individuals, it's from a couple other governments, but there was also this guy named Osama bin Laden, right? Uh, and the yes. sentence, there and was that, this guy named Osama bin Laden. And just, like, th- this <laughs> is, <laughs> but the, like, th- this is the sort of like important gray zone thing is that if you want to say the US government paid Osama bin Laden directly, uh, that might be the case, but as far as I know, no one can prove it. 
because right. part of Operation Cyclone was to set up a highly persistent, um, acephalous, deniable network of funding and organization yep. through the Gulf states, which included a bunch of guys like Osama bin Laden. And the point of it was that you couldn't, like, if you were to say the KGB, you couldn't easily cut off the funding to the guys who were shooting down MI24s uh, because, you know, there's there's just like, they don't all know each other and there's a bunch of them and they're all sort of spread out. Nobody knows who all is getting whose money. Yes. Um, you know, it, Bin Laden was from, you know, a wealthy family, the Bin Ladens, who to, to this day control basically all the contracting in the Middle East. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, Saudi bin Laden group is a big contractor and they, they build everything. Right. Um, you know, and bin Laden does a bunch of stuff in the Soviet Afghan war. He funnels money to Mujahideen uh, groups. He set, helps set up training camps. He pays for some people to come to those training camps sometime in the late 1980s. He sets up his own training camp and, you know, he's, he's like training fighters there. Right. Yeah, but he's he's a venture capitalist essentially. Yes. He's a right. he's a he's a facilitator. You bring stuff to him, and he makes it happen. Exactly. And at this point, everyone's you know kind of you know they're 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 anti-Soviet. They're not anti-USA yet, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know the uh, the the Mujahideen sort of kick the Soviets out, right? The Taliban comes to power. Right, they're also funded by Pakistan, of course. Um, of course, of course, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, Bin Laden comes back to Saudi Arabia with a lot of power and prestige, and everything sort of hunky dory until a uh, relatively hunky dory until the first Gulf War, right? Right. Oh yeah, this this was the yeah. big breaking point because like Bin Laden had had theological differences with the Saudis before, uh, particularly the sort of like court uh, like. Theology of theologist of the of the Saudi government, a guy called Ibn bin Baz. Yeah. Um, but during during the Gulf War, the U.S. stationed troops in Saudi Arabia. Um, yes. Like uh, Christian and and Jewish troops, who brought religious symbols with them, uh, and, which was another big point for Bin Laden. <laughs> is like you can't fucking bring a Bible to Saudi Arabia or a Torah. It's also a very strong Third Amendment supporter. <laughs> <laughs> and like in order to in order to wage war against as much as uh, Saddam Hussein was like a sort of like to bin Laden a sort of like degenerate uh, Baathist kind of secularist another Arab country another Muslim country um, as part of like sort of an imperial project yeah and, so and hmm. Saddam hey this is Justin in post production I just want to let you know that I meant Bin Laden here. Back to the show. Saddam had like offered like his Mujahideen fighters to help defend Saudi Arabia, and uh, King Fahd was like, "Nah, nah, give, give me the Americans. I want the Americans." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like sort of that combination of being like personally insulted and also uh, like theologically insulted, and also like thinking that the the the, the House of Sound and uh, their clerics are. Uh, corrupt and morally degenerate and repulsive is not. Uh, let's say let's not. Let's say it's not an unpopular opinion. This not is true. Yeah. I think it is. <laughs> so so when when Bin Laden and people like him went okay, well these people are, are just you know uh, useful idiots for the Americans. They're corrupt and they're they're awful and uh, un-Islamic. 
that's not something which a lot of people would have raised an eyebrow to at the time. Yeah. Sure. And and he he he's he's publicly critical of the Saudi regime and eventually he gets kicked out of Saudi Arabia, right? Mm. Um and he winds up going to Afghanistan with some of his like closest fo- uh, followers and then later to Sudan, right? Yeah, um, which is where Robert Fisk writes the article Anti-Soviet Warrior puts his army on the road to peace about him. <laughs> right. I forgot to put that picture in here somewhere. Um he gets he winds up getting stripped of his Saudi citizenship and his family cuts off his allowance. Which was seven million dollars a year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And he winds up uh, in Sudan as sort of a thorn in the side of the Sudanese government because he's like, you know, trying to, you know, he's bored. He has nothing to do. He's, he's out of money. He, uh, he's trying to set up some uh, terrorist training camps because, you know, what else am I going to do? Right. Yeah. So, stick with yeah, what you know. You got to get the yeah. camp fees. Yeah, exactly. You think so, is there a fee structure for terrorist training camp? I think you have to like pay the counselors. <laughs> Maybe you get like a camp crush on one of the other fighters. I'm not quite. I'm not quite certain how these things were funded at this point with uh, with Bin Laden running out of money. Um, Nobody really is. It's a. It's an interesting moment. I mean, the safe answer is probably some more of that sort of cyclone network of funding yeah. that is like broadly sympathetic to him and like thinks that he's been wronged by the Saudis, but nobody actually knows. Well, he winds up getting kicked out of Sudan. And he's sent to Afghanistan, right? Um, you know, sent I mean, to or goes voluntarily. Oh, he, oh, he goes voluntarily to okay. Afghanistan, or yeah, because he, by this point, the, the the Talibs have won the Afghan civil war. Yeah, um, right. That like Kabul has been bombarded into submission. Masood is still like holding out in the Panjshir, but who cares about him? Uh, and so that they have an Islamic emirate, and he's welcomed more or less with open open arms. Yeah. And and in the meantime, of course, uh, during this during this period where Saddam is, uh, excuse me, uh, Bin Laden is bopping back and forth, the USA still had a residual force in Saudi Arabia, and of course, the Saudi Arabian government is cozying up to the U.S. more and more, which you know sort of makes uh, Bin Laden even more red mad and nude about the United States, Redman. right? Yeah, it's it, it's a particular sort of territorialist thing that not just like uh, Mecca or Medina, but like the whole Arabian Peninsula is is sacred territory, and they are despoiling it. Which is weird because he never got he never got mad about um American Arabian oil company before, you know. I, I mean. <laughs> It's <laughs> convenient somehow, how you have these revelations, isn't it? This, the Saudis have been pretty cozy with uh, the United States for a long time now. You, you get mad about this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Funny how that works. He's sort of increasingly mad. Um, he issues a fatwa, right? Where he declares war on the United States in 1996, right? Fuck you too, guy. Yeah. <laughs> he also does some, you know, sort of casual terrorism in Yemen and Egypt, right? Um, and the, the Yemeni one that was sort of in in the service of destroying uh, Soviet influenced uh, groups that were trying to uh, take control and set up a stable government there, right? Mm. Um, you know, they try to. Um, Assassinate, I believe. What's his face? Was it Hosni Mubarak? No, the Egyptian no, president at the time. Mm-hmm. No, it was I'm the okay, other I guy. I suppose it could have been. Uh... It was. Oh, wouldn't it? No. Hey, this is Justin in post production here. 
just wanted to let you know that it was, in fact, Hosni Mubarak. All right, back to the show. Uh, the names on the tip of my tongue, I just cannot remember. I know, right? Um, so, well, anyway. Does, they, he does the USS Cole bombing. Yes, um, and he blew, and up, blew up a bunch of U.S. embassies in 1998, right? There, yep. was, there was also, uh, more importantly, his involvement in something called uh, the Bojinka plot, which was something that um, a, a guy who, like, uh, <laughs> brought to him, like, through Ramsa Youssef and Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, uh, there was this plot to like simultaneously blow up uh, like a dozen airliners in flight, right? Uh, just over the U.S. and that didn't that didn't come off, obviously. But uh, that was that- like it, it. It moves from this idea of like, oh, okay, we can like this knowledge sort of disseminates of like airplanes are extremely vulnerable because until now, uh, it, it, if you like. Put a bomb on a plane, just blows up easy. If you hijack yeah. a plane, everybody expects you to say, "All right, take me to Cuba or take me to Algeria or yeah. take me to Lebanon." You get everybody off of the plane, you blow it up on the tarmac, nobody cares. Uh, and so this idea of like using an airliner as a weapon in itself sort of like germinates during the nineties. Yeah, and and it's surprising no one thought of that before, but I guess you know, planes. Well, Tom, you, to Cuba. you know, you know who did Tom Clancy. Oh um, yes. The the most interesting and least examined figure of American uh, like military psychosis uh, wrote a book called I think Debt of Honor it was called yes. uh, which is about the U.S. going back to war with Japan at the end of which um, a Japanese airliner pilot flies an airline like a seven forty seven into the capital during the um, uh, during a the the State of the Union address. Good lord. So it's it's in thrillers at this point. So you know, Bin Laden was just sitting at the airport reading the Tom Clancy <laughs> paperback, and he's like, uh, "Oh shit, I could learn a thing or two. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like at this point in sort of the long nineties, when everybody's like, "Oh, this is the end of history" or whatever, you have this extremely sort of foreshadowing moment where uh, Bin Laden is sort of like the Scarlet fucking Pimpernel at this point. He's just fucking around in in Africa for the most part, yeah. just kind of like doing shit like you know there's a plot here a plot there sometimes they come off sometimes they don't you know but he's 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 working is the thing yeah he's grinding you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's in the lab grind. again yo um when he when when he's uh in, you know after after you know at this point al-qaeda uh blows up the embassies in 1998 the united states uh finally retaliated against the guy right they blew up some of his training camps which they knew about um, they also blew up a pharmaceutical plant in Sudan, which yep. they thought was producing chemical weapons. It wasn't. Um, but no, it was actually producing about half of all the medicine in Sudan. Um, so Another you know. proud day for U.S. intelligence. I know, Another right? proud day for U.S. air power. <laughs> you know, and, and this is sort of... Well, this um, was, at least this one was in a hospital. Who says they <laughs> we... <laughs> Among the people who are like interested in this sort of political Islam, right? He sort of gains more power and prestige, right? Um, Everybody loves a winner. I know, uh, right? And, and he's he's like racking up these these relatively small wins, but he's he's putting them on the board anyway. Yeah. So you know, and of course, uh, U.S. intelligence starts monitoring them a little more closely. 
um, to the point where like around 1998, the CIA told Bill Clinton, hey, Al Qaeda is going to hijack some planes and fly them into buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they uh, didn't really do anything about that. No. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 they did not. Um, and then uh, Clinton leaves office, Bush comes into office, history yes. is still ended. Yes. Uh, and, and these sort of memos, this is the looming tower bit essentially, is yes. like memos passed back and forth between the FBI and the CIA and, uh, and like various other three lesser agencies. And the point that it comes to is that um, Bush should get, I think it's like actually in the president's daily briefing, yep. uh, the, the headline is, uh, Bin Laden determined, determined to, stri- to attack US. Determined yeah. to strike inside US. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, no, that, that also goes like, if not unread, unregarded. Yeah, I think there was also like a bunch of people using an excuse like, ah, well, this is outside of our jurisdiction, we can't forward this to relevant agency, blah, 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 we'll get tied up in legal crap, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of it, is the willful, basically, I, I don't know, willful ignorance is the term, but like, choosing, the, whatever choosing not to do your job is. Yeah, and yeah. like, especially at this point, especially pre-9-11, the CIA is not yet the organization that it would become of like, uh, sort of like Zero Dark Thirty guys. It's sort of this, uh, you know, like shirt and, tie, shirt, and, shirt and tie Mormon freak shows who have spent yeah. the entire uh, Cold War like smearing nerve gas on people's door handles. And so <laughs> they, they don't, they don't, they don't want to fucking tell the FBI anything, particularly anything that implicates either their own sources or their own, you know, activities, whether that's like the foundation of this sort of network of, of, of finances or like having used it for operational purposes in the interim. Yeah, in the meantime, the FBI is also highly unfamiliar with arresting anyone for uh, de- like terrorism who they didn't personally radicalize. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> yeah, we've we've also had. Um, I, I I forgot to mention this because I I should have done because I mentioned Ramzi Youssef. We've also had the first World Trade Center bombing in 1993 yes. at this point, and uh, that that's another one of those sort of like uh, successes that like is a is a sort of it reflects better on ultimately on Bin Laden, but also on Halajik Mohammed. Um, and and so that's you know that sort of sets the plan for like not only are we going to like maybe use airliners as weapons but we're also going to like attack symbolic like landmark high impact targets within the United States. Yes. So uh, uh here's a guy. Um, found a guy. Found a guy. Or I w- wish the FBI had. But, yes. Um, alas and alack. Right. So this is Hani Salah Hassan Hanjor. I don't. I don't. I assume Absolutely I produced none of that correctly. Sorry, <laughs> um, Ross, I wouldn't have done any better. He's, he was from Saudi Arabia, and he was a failed airline pilot, right? Um, he, he had applied unsuccessfully for airline jobs at Saudi Arabian Airlines, which is now called Saudia, right? In the early 1990s, the airline turned him down. They suggested he go to the United States to obtain a commercial pilot's license there. Which why he did, us? yeah. Well, that's an actual question. Why us? It's it, it's more it's more prestigious. Like I I, oh, okay. I think the 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 thing is this is not just common to Saudi Arabia or Arab countries, but like uh, a lot of the nine eleven hijackers are sort of like upper middle class fail sons, right? Yeah, really like 
like succeed at like things like engineering or medicine or whatever and um being an airline pilot for your country's like flag carrier is absolutely a job in that mold it's not actually about like wanting to fly or whatever it's like it's like it's a like secure a job prestige exactly yeah. exactly it's it's yeah. a good job it's a, it's like a job that somebody ideally with connections can like get you and then you just uh like you know you have sort of a a, a career for life off of this okay. on for unless Unless you're a wildly incompetent pilot. I was about to say, yeah, you figure this guy maybe could have worked his way up through like a regional airline, but he, he doesn't <laughs> do that, right? You can no. fly for one of those airlines that later merged into Delta. Like, I don't know. I, for, I forget what like the Appalachian Airlines was, but it's like <laughs> Northeast or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The airline turned him down, but they said, go to USA, get a commercial pilot's license, come back here. Maybe we'll hire you, right? So he... He, he tries this in 1995, right? Over the next several years, he sort of bounced between several flight schools. He actually did receive an FAA commercial pilot certificate in 1999. Um, and after that, he came back to Saudi Arabia and was again turned down by the airline. Yeah. And yeah. up until this point, you feel bad for the guy. Like, yeah. He's, he, he's just, he's not a good pilot. And it's like, he's been, he's been set on this course, but uh, by, by, you know, a, in particular a society, there's pretty much like, oh, we just decide what you, what we think your career should right. be. Yes. Uh, and he's just, and he can't fucking do it. And you, you know, you feel a little bit bad. Yeah. And like in his frustration, he of course turns to Islamism, right? Of course. Starts reading religious texts listening to cassette tapes of uh, various radical imams, right? You know, he's reading zines, he's listening to podcasts. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and again, like, pretty much all of the 9-11 hijackers are like this. Like, uh, Sia Jara's a little bit older, but, like, um, most of the others are just kind of, like, uh, fail sons, basically. Right. Yeah. And so he, he told his family he was going to go look for work in the United Arab Emirates, but probably actually went to go to an Al-Qaeda training camp in Afghanistan, right? Yeah. Insanely um, easy to do at this point. Oh, right. yeah. You know, it seems like they just, you know, they're just processing people at the door. Uh, you, know, you know, just show up, <laughs> tell them what your skills are. Oh, uh, here for the terrorism camp. Well, like, bear in mind, at this point, the Taliban are the uh, internationally recognized government of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. So nobody's, like, able to really... Stop Do anything about it, letting though. guys in or hosting terrorist training camps for that matter. But also, nobody's tracking this shit. This is all like, uh, you know, worked out after the fact. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like uh, I, I didn't know it got this bad. My God. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, he's an Al Qaeda guy now, right? Um, and hmm. about September two thousand, uh, Hanjour arrives in the United States. He meets his fellow hijackers who are um, Nawaf al Hazmi and Khalid al Mitta. Thank you, Mitza. Mm. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks, they're, Alice. They're they're they're, <laughs> they're both Saudi Arabian, right? And they sort of bop around the United States for a while. They go to San Diego. They go to Mesa, Arizona. They go to Patterson, New Jersey, Falls Church, Virginia, right? Uh, Hanjour is like 
studying wow, it. Wow, like, what an itinerary. Right? I know, right? <laughs> oh, the, the, the 9-11 hijackers in America is like a fascinating period of time. I put this really in, interesting. I, I put this in the notes later, but um, I, I think it was Sayajara who, like, with a couple of others, went to get self-defense training from a, a Florida martial artist called Bert Rodriguez. Uh, like they just they just had some really fucking weird times. I'm, Spent I'm, a lot of money on strippers and alcohol. I'm imagining like a buddy comedy about these yeah, guys. I, I, felt, <laughs> I felt really guilty thinking it, but that's yep, that's what I went too. Are you, are you, you want you want to feel weird? Bert Rodriguez wrote a book about how to uh, create. I think it's called like Create Courage, and the cover is 9/11, which is weird <laughs> for a guy who what? accidentally trained some of the 9/11 hijackers. Listen, I, I you know, you, you, you got to market yourself. You honestly. do what you got to do, right? So I, you you got to look up this guy, Bert Rodriguez. He looks like a sort of a bald Danny Trejo. He, he can he can truly look at that and say, "Yes, I helped with that." <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. Yes. Um, and our our boy Hanjor was studying at like half a dozen flight academies in this time. He never completes more than a few simulator sessions at any one place, though. Um, now, notably, one of those was at Essex County Airport from an academy called Caldwell Flight Academy. Oh, my Ooh. bad, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Hey. <laughs> Listen, no, listen, when he said he didn't want to know how to land, I thought he would just like, I thought he just had anxiety. I mean, <laughs> I get the feeling this guy actually probably did know how to land the plane. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, just, he's, I think he's actually the best trained, or at least most trained pilot of any of the hijackers. And we'll see that in a second. Um, <laughs> so they also, they also go to uh, strength training at Gold's Gym, which I thought was funny because that's also where my dad goes. Um, <laughs> they got another two guys who are also both Saudis. They come in late, uh, you know, in, into like this buddy comedy film, right? And they go to um, they go to Dulles Airport on the morning of September 11th, right? Yeah. Actually, the other two guys kind of show how how extensively the whole thing was planned. Which is, you had uh, like they were divided up into teams. Like it was a, a group of twenty hijackers divided up into teams per flight, and then you would have essentially like two or three guys who would be like seizing the cockpit and would be like flying the plane and then the other guys who joined them later were just like large dudes who were there for crowd control yeah. um huh. so, so it's like you know it's it and i don't know it, it it sort of speaks to quite involved planning not necessarily even by bin laden but uh by you know maybe muhammad Asa, maybe halaj muhammad i don't know but yeah, so so they all they all go to Dulles Airport on the morning of uh, September 11th, right? And they all get stopped at security and put through secondary screening, but they let them through. Um, well, I thought, like, oh, but that was designed to make us safer. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe it didn't work. They all had um, they all had utility knives on them, which security found. Um, but that was perfectly legal to carry on the plane back then. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So they get on American Airlines Flight 77, which was a Boeing 757 destined for Los Angeles, right? Okay, and this was a relatively empty flight. It was 58 passengers and crew when the plane would usually have, if it were full, it would have 188 passengers, right? Um, they took off, headed west, and just about around Parkersburg, West Virginia, right? 
just past that, the uh, hijacking occurs, right? Right. Um, now, unlike Flight 93, where we have shitloads of information about it for some reason, which was all used for jingoist propaganda for years afterwards, right? Mm. Um, there, were, there were only like two phone calls made from Flight 77. There was a, a flight attendant who said everyone had been herded to the back of the plane by hijackers. And uh, Barbara Olson, who called her husband, who was U.S. Solicitor General Theodore Olson, who said the plane was hijacked and the hijackers had box cutters. And she was cut off mid-call, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's probably why you have fewer phone calls. It's like the more, the like uh, stricter, more aggressive crowd control. Better Because yeah. in Flight 93, I think they just like had them stay in their seats, right. uh, which, you know, led to them losing control of the plane. That was good, yeah. Not to interrupt the solemnity of the move, but I have to use the bathroom. I'll be right back. Okay. Mm. I am also going to take the opportunity to use the bathroom then. Oh no. I know. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. okay. Well, I, it, okay. I'm helming this by my own. Excellent. Fine. I'm going to talk about uh, the, the, the two reasons why a 9 11 like attack cannot happen again. Uh, reason number one reinforced cockpit doors were not a thing at this point. It was just like a regular door. You could break it down very easily. Uh, reason number two, uh, people had different expectations of what a hijacking was. Like I said earlier, uh, at, at this point, like on September 11th, if you are on a plane that gets hijacked, you, the way you expect that experience to go is you are now in a hostage situation, right? And like, they fly the plane somewhere, and either they get where they want to go, and then they let you go, or, you know, like, maybe they kill you. or they like land the plane somewhere and then try to like either negotiate for your release and the plane gets like stormed or whatever, but you're not expecting like, oh, this is an instant death sentence and like, uh, you know, I have to do anything I can to prevent it. Whereas now that mindset's totally changed and you get that thing of like people who are like uh, disturbed or whatever will like, I don't know, make a grab for a cockpit door they can't possibly open. What's and up? the in Oh, I'm just talking about how you can't hijack a plane anymore. Right. Um, because, like, e e okay, you can't get into the cockpit anyway, but if you try, uh, the entirety of the plane will, like, uh, sit on you, and you might die of positional asphyxia. If you mm -hmm. don't, then the plane lands somewhere and you get the most arrested anyone's ever been. Um, but it, it wasn't like that then. Right, it wasn't, it wasn't like... We were talking about that in the country music episode, the sort of... Mm -hmm. How since nine eleven, there's just been this sort of slow, long twenty year psychosis. Yeah, but that's why Flight ninety three is different. Is because like it was it was exceptional in that way because uh, like at least some of the passengers there sort of understood that to be a life or death type situation rather than let's you know stay calm and see how this plays out. I'm back. Hi. Hello. Uh, okay. So this. This hijacking actually occurred slightly after the first plane, Flight 11, that hit the World Trade Center, right? Mm. But the hijackers turned off the transponder almost immediately, right? Which prevented the plane from being easily tracked, right? Almost um, wouldn't have mattered the extent to, like, the shambles which, like, NORAD was in at this point. Oh, it gets worse. Um, <laughs> so good. after they turned the transponder off, that's when they turned the plane around, right? So, and they set the autopilot for Washington, D.C. Um, so actually, they, uh, 
I guess they make it out to E and then they, uh, from there they engage autopilot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So meanwhile at ground control in Indianapolis, which have been tracking this plane before they don't know anything's happened yet. Right. Other than this plane has dropped off the radar. They haven't heard that nine 11 is happening. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And there, there isn't really a response for this. Like, you can scramble fighter jets, which is like eventually done, but yes. like uh, it, 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 there isn't sort of a protocol in place that's like, oh, this is like you know a plane that has has been hijacked and therefore you're going to shoot it down or whatever. They they assumed the plane had crashed, right? And they they started you know alerting local law enforcement. Hey, be on the lookout for a plane crash site somewhere around here, right? Sure. Um, mm. And it wasn't until so the, the hijacking started at eight fifty four. The Indianapolis uh, Control Center didn't know about uh, 9-11 until 9-21. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, the first plane hits the towers at what, 843, 848? 854. Yeah. 854, thank you. So they, they tried to relay information to other control centers about Flight 77, which had disappeared, right? And somehow it wound up being the Boston Control Center who coordinated with the uh, Northeast Air Defense Sector of NORAD, right? Hmm. And they got Flight 77 confused with Flight 11, which had already crashed into the World Trade Center, right? Yeah, and that that again is like part of the planning. Was part of the planning of like the Bojanka plot too, to a certain extent, as you try and like saturate people with too much information to process at once. Yes, like it, it doesn't make sense for this to be something that happens to multiple planes almost simultaneously. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, needs right is uh, Northeast Air Defense Sector. They started searching for another plane headed towards Washington, D.C., and they were looking for it in New Jersey. Right? Uh. Uh, Meanwhile, Flight 77 was flying through the National Radio Quiet Zone. Um, Of course it was. Yes. Um, Which has a bunch of radio telescopes, right? It's a big area in Virginia and West Virginia and a little bit of Maryland. Radio transmissions are restricted, right? And there's some, they got some secret squirrel military shit, but they just weren't looking for planes here, right? Mm. Um, they only had a little bit of time to look for it. Um, so the uh, needs actually scrambled the fighters pretty soon after they found out this was going on around 923 to go intercept Flight 11 or Flight 77, which they thought was Flight 11, right? Uh, over Baltimore. All right. Yeah, yeah. So doing great. Um, Flight seventy seven wasn't detected again until it was almost at Dulles Airport at like nine thirty two. Right. Oh fuck. Okay. Uh, so it needs learns that Flight seventy seven had been hijacked right around this time, um, sort of by accident. They find out Flight seventy seven exists. <laughs> Um, I think I think someone got in contact from uh, the Indianapolis FAA control center and mentioned Flight 77, and they're like, Flight 77? We haven't heard about a Flight 77. What's going on? It's mm. like, that's the one that got hijacked. What have you been doing? <laughs> Go Colts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're, they're deploying the fighters to go bring the Colts back to Baltimore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, this will make my dad happy. Mm-hmm. Air traffic control at both Dulles and uh, National Airport also de- had detected the flight at this point. And they asked the crew of a 
C-130H, which had just left, uh, I think, one of the air bases in the area to get a, a visual on the unidentified airplane. And the pilot of that plane said, well, it sure looks like a American Airlines 757. <laughs> Thanks, guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, appreciate your button. Yeah. All right. So now we have oh, to talk boy. about the turn. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Smoking on that shit that made Hani Hanjo pull off a perfect 330-degree turn this, and descend 2,200 feet. I was about to say, this is, this is a hell of an aerial maneuver right here, right? And this is uh, definitely one of the things that tends to fuel the conspiracy theories. Uh, oh, yeah. Because, you know, this is not, a, not, not the world's easiest maneuver right here. Um, I, for one, think it was a fluke. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, th yeah this you, is only the, need to, you only need to get lucky once. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is the thing, right? Like, beginner's luck. Something, <laughs> sometimes things do just come off, right? Yeah. They just work. And also, Hani Hanjo was also like, okay, every flight school he went to was like, he's a terrible pilot. But as far as I know, he was also the like longest and most flight trained of any of the hijackers. Yeah. Um, and this was also like, you have to bear in mind, this was like his big event. This was his martyrdom as far as he was concerned. And so like, if ever there was a time to like, get it right for him, it would have been this one. This wasn't something that he was idly doing. So yeah, yeah it, it, it came good, as it were. Um, and this is one of the, so, you know, at 929, uh, Han turns off, he turns off the autopilot to begin to maneuver to, you know, whack into the Pentagon, right? Uh, he banks hard to the right. He goes through a 330 degree turn, um, you know, right around here, right? Uh, right centered on uh, Cameron Run Park right over here, which is this weird municipal water park in Alexandria. It's, it's mm. kind of cool that it's like a municipal water park as opposed to a private operation. Uh, at least I think um, mm. it's not not very common. Um, anyway, he descends twenty two hundred feet through this curve. He comes down low over I three ninety five. He advances the throttle to maximum. Uh, he clips some telephone poles and he smashes the plane into the Pentagon. Right? Yeah. Which and again, that's another thing that people like to to make a lot of because he hits it like dead on right, right. Uh, like almost horizontally right and uh, the idea is that like the pentagon is a is a like a low building um and like it, it there was over a grass lawn and he should have like either come in too low or like come in too high and missed it um to which it's a five-story building like okay yeah. seeing it from the air or whatever sure but like he lined himself up for it he does kind of he does kind of not hit it at like the optimal point i mean he sort of mm -hmm. hits like the ground a couple feet in front of it um yeah, yeah and he's like it's, it's, it's like with the telephone poles like if he hits stuff before it, he's still gonna hit the building because yes it's, it's a whole airliner one of the wings i believe hits the ground right before the fuselage plunges into the granite facade um and yeah. uh, the, on, the only footage of this is from a, like a, a gas station camera, which gets about <laughs> three frames of it. Yeah, it's like one shot every second. Uh, and again, that makes a lot of people, or at least made a lot of people, it made your roommate who smoked too much weed in like 2005 make you watch a bunch of really grainy Fucking footage change. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and go, yo, that, that looks like a missile to me, dude. You can see the fins there or whatever. Yeah. 
Um, at this point, the C-130H pilot we mentioned before radios National Airport Tower to say, uh, uh, looks like the plane crashed into the Pentagon, sir. Um, that's, it, that's fucking, that's yeah. why we pay you, bud. Uh, and <laughs> meanwhile, the interceptors uh, were looking for Flight 11 in New Jersey. Um, Flight 11, which is at this point uh, melting through the fucking sky lobby yes. of the uh, North Tower. Yes, exactly. So they, um, they, 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 they kind of fucked this one up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of dropped the ball on this one, guys, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They got uh, they got Amy McGrath out there to shoot down ninety three. So you know, one out of four <laughs> ain't bad. Um, <laughs> now, one of the things we talked about last year on our annual nine eleven episode, um, we talked about the World Trade Centers, and on the World Trade Centers, you would see a large, you saw a large like impact that was vaguely plane shaped, right? Um, you know, there's big holes where the wings impacted the building. You don't see this on the Pentagon. Right, mm. so we gotta ask, you know, what happened here, right? Well, he 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 sheared one of the wings off on the lawn, which stops you from getting the perfect Looney Tunes silhouette. This is true, but you know, the World Trade Center is clad in you know many exceptionally slim columns right on the exterior. You know, lots of light aluminum facade panels. The Pentagon is a conventional, heavy reinforced concrete frame building overbuilt 1940s style with big, heavy limestone panels on the exterior. This in and of itself is not enough to prevent the Looney Tunes style um, plane outline, though, right? Uh, but this area had just been renovated, right? Um, hmm. The renovation started after the Oklahoma City bombing in order to prevent, you know, a similar thing from happening where the whole facade is ripped off, right? Yeah. Um, so, same thing why all new federal buildings and US embassies abroad have a shitload of setback. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you'll see a bunch of like heavy concrete planters or like overt barriers, but also it's across, you know, like a 150 foot lawn away from you. But because this section was also near the helipad, um, it was actually designed to withstand, you know, a helicopter impact, right? Um, so this renovation, which had started in 1993 and which was due to finish up in five days after 9-11, right, involved uh, reinforcing the facade of the Pentagon, uh, this side of the Pentagon, really, um, with a very, very aggressive blast-resistant facade system. It was two feet thick, right? It included uh, a layer of, you know, a grid of steel beams for blast resistance and a Kevlar layer, right? Mm. Sort of similar to if you're ever doing like blasting rock in a um, occupied area, you put down a heavy Kevlar blanket in order to prevent the blast from, you know, releasing debris into the atmosphere or, you know, all that sort of stuff. They basically had blast resistant, you know, Kevlar blankets in the entire facade system here. And, mm. and of, <laughs> of course, this is the kind of thing that also drives conspiracy theorists wild because it's like, Ah, so he just happened to attack the one part of the building that was like not going to do any huge structural damage to it or whatever. And it's like, yeah, actually, yep, yeah, that that makes sense. When I'm trying to do a, a false flag, is I'm going to try and not do very much damage. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the windows were also blast resistant. They were like two inch thick uh, safety glass, right? You can see a lot of them remained intact. You know. 
uh, Hanshire did great with that turn, but he picked a really bad spot to attack the building, right? Mm. You know, and the parts of the plane that did penetrate the facade were like the fuselage and the engines, right? Um, but if you think of that about this in terms of like the cross-section of material that hits the building, right? You know, the fuselage goes in the building, it starts disintegrating, and that, as it disintegrates, it's imparting more energy into the building, which is causing more destruction. So the fu- fuselage can penetrate through the wings, the tail, you know, these other, uh, 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 what's the word? Appendages like of the plane. Flight surfaces, yeah. Flight yeah. surfaces. Yeah. You know, they, they just sort of hit the front of the building and they disintegrate, right? But it also helps that the wings are full of fuel, which just explodes immediately. This is true. Uh, I, I imagine that was... Uh, I, probably the, the, the fire was not so severe to start out with just because all of that jet fuel just boom immediately, right? Mm. Um, yeah, and it's not like the World Trade Center where it like is sort of like cast suddenly through the whole like footprint of the building. It, like it's mostly sort of it hits the outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just sort of splashes back down on fire. Yeah, you know, the, uh, most of the plane debris that was recovered was from the tail section of the plane. I think somehow the nose cone was also recovered. Um, mm. And then some bits and bobs we'll talk about later. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the side effects of this was, you know, because of this reinforcement, a lot of people will be able to get out of these offices very quick. Um, yeah, I think it only killed, like, um, like a, a few people on impacts directly. It was, yeah, it was like 100, 100, 188 total, I think. Yeah, 184 yeah. total. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And this this photo is... From just around but remember, 30, 23,000 people work here. Yes. Yeah. Assuming it's at capacity. This, uh, this, this photo is from around 30 minutes after impact, uh, actually. Uh, you know, firefighters got on scene really quickly. You can see up here, the, uh, the cornice up here is starting to sag. This is right around when they pulled all the firefighters out. Uh, the building collapsed shortly after they pulled all the firefighters out. Um, oh, yeah. uh, initially... You know, workers in the building started pulling people out of the building. A lot of people could get out under their own power. Um, you know, and and uh, but the fire department shoot everyone away once uh, once they showed up there because you know we have rescue training, right? Right. Um, so the impact was at what is it nine thirty four ish? I want to say yeah. Uh, the building collapsed at ten ten, right? And so that's 36 minutes. 36 minutes, yeah. And only at that point did the upper floors catch fire. Wow. Um, yeah. This thing's really fucking isolated. Very, very well-built uh, building. Um, mm. You couldn't have picked a worse building to try and attack with a plane. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, the one thing that did happen at this point, the roof was held up with big wooden support beams. Uh, so the roof caught fire and started spreading along the building. Um, they actually had to control that by doing fire breaks. They couldn't, um, they couldn't oh, really, the uh, finest, the finest firefighting technique of the 17th century. They do love century. to do yes. it, as we know. <laughs> and the fire wasn't fully contained until 6 p.m. the following day. Wow. Yeah. Mm. This is where you can sort of see those, um, those big, big Kevlar panels, right? You can see some of the big beams there. You can see how the the building is sort of fallen down, but it's draped like a curtain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. The facade is surprisingly intact for what's happened to it. 
Um, so this uh, this killed about a hundred. This killed 188 people, including, of course, everyone on Flight 77. Um, mm -hmm. if, was, if you believe things you read on Twitter, it like perfectly took out all of the DoD's records of Operation Cyclone or whatever, which it didn't. Mm -hmm. Probably not. Also, some guys would still just know about it. Like yeah. I was about to say, yeah. That's the thing um, with these is that like they don't need like more than a memo. Destroyed destroyed a bunch of art and books because it hit the um the U.S. Army's library. Oh, that's a shame. Oops. Yeah, they lo they lost a couple of like big oil paintings. Uh, and the plane mostly did damage to the outer E wing, right? Uh, which is where all the generals are. Uh, it did penetrate slightly into the C wing or as far as the C wing, right? Um, hmm. at this point, they are you know trying to do recovery. They found. The important pieces of the plane, you know, the flight data recorder and the cockpit voice rec recorder. Um, the flight data recorder was good. The cockpit voice recorder had fused into a solid block of plastic. Oh, shit. They also found one of the uh, hijackers driver's licenses in the parking lot. Again, an another classic move that like gets people very, very weird is like, uh, the the FBI just found a couple of passports on the street outside uh, the World Trade Center. They found a driver's license here. It's like, it, yeah, it, stuff happens. It's debris. Yeah, plane crashes. It's, it's, it's debris. debris. Right. Yeah, and they presumably found a lot of other shit that they're not all cataloging, but that this is just one of the things that happens when you throw an airliner's worth of people into Cuisinart, essentially. Yeah, I always thought one of the one of the weird ones was um I think they found they found a piece of one of one of the planes that hit the World Trade Center, like a big piece, like an aileron or something, uh mm. in like 2011, 2012, maybe later than that. It had fallen between a pair of buildings which had eight inches of space between them. Huh. Yeah. Definitely an inside job. <laughs> no, it just it, it, it has that air of like uh like history that happens mm -hmm. with like huge events, right? Same with the JFK right. assassination, where like uh if you take any any sort of event, there's always gonna be a bunch of insane seeming coincidences about anything because there's just like how life works. There's always a shitload of like variables and some of them are gonna line up. But because it feels like portentous, right? You you assign more meaning to these things than perhaps they have. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and so the idea of sort of creating order out of nothing because oh, I yeah. think people can't handle the idea that not that things just happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That sometimes stuff just goes wrong. And obviously this wasn't random chance. It's a very well-planned operation no, but to it, be, it, to it be it honest. It contains but a like, lot of random elements just because right. everything does. Like right. exactly. where that guy's driver's license ends up. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Here's some of the here, here's some of the recovery operation afterwards. You can see a big part of the buildings come down. Uh it's the E-ring, the uh D-wing. The hot dog hot was okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, it didn't make it that far. It only made it. <laughs> they as actually far as replaced. They replaced the hot dog hut. Um, Throw an anti-aircraft battery on top of it. <laughs> in, in two thousand and in two thousand and six, they replaced the hot dog hut. What's there now? Another hot dog hut. Thank oh, God. Okay, thank God. And a, a new eating facility is, <laughs> is how the 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 air force described it at the time. We're we're all God's children at the hot dog hut. <laughs> yeah. 
And Incidentally, if you want to get really like eye emoji about this, the old hot dog stand had a big carved wooden owl on top of it, uh, which they uh, they actually kept and placed on the new hot dog stand. So just if you wanted to get, get a little bit of like Bohemian Grove vibes. <laughs> Um, you can see here, this is the whole, the plane poked when it came out the other side of the C-wing, right? Which is mm. kind of wow, tiny and pathetic. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Just kind of like pieces out in that courtyard. Yeah, mm. exactly. And, and an interior courtyard, even. Um, you know, kind of kind of like, well, you try. It's a hell of a well-built building. Yes, it's, yeah. it's a very, very heavily built building. Now, it... In in two thousand one, when this had occurred, they were trying to eventually do a comprehensive renovation on it because, as well built as it was structurally, every building system was failing. Um, oh, okay. The heat, the lights, the electricity. Not the asbestos. The, the asbestos was working great. The, the asbestos was working <laughs> great. It was full of it, asbestos at this point. Yeah, the building was absolutely chock full of asbestos. Everyone who was doing work on this building in the recovery effort. All got exposed to shitloads of asbestos, um, so you know it's uh, it, it was uh, it, it was not it, like other parts of nine eleven. Not great for your health to be working on the recovery effort. Um, yeah, you can see here's one of the shredded piece of plane they recovered. Um, you know because again this this plane just disintegrated on impact. There was not. Oh yeah, it's the sea from American, huh? Yeah, it probably came off the tail or something. Mm. Or no, the tail of an American Airlines plane just says AA on it. So I guess that's the from uh, the so side. Be like, yeah, from yeah. the side now. Yeah. Uh, and you can see sort of a diagram of how this hit the first floor, right? Oh, uh, like a shotgun blast. Yes, exactly. Shot. Just straight through. Well, every one of these circles is uh, where they recovered a body. Mm. Mm. Uh, or I think maybe some of them are casualties and not bodies, but I'm not sure which ones. Um, you know, and one of the big conspiracies is, you know, I went through the defense intelligence agency offices, right? You can see it just sort of clipped it on the side. Um, yeah. Perfectly taking out the filing cabinet in which a single manila folder was locked up in which was written Bush did 9-11. Right. On like that, 9-10. That's, that's pretty good accuracy that, 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 um, that, uh, Hanjur got that from, you know, he started that run in West Virginia and hit that oh. filing cabinet. Um, <laughs> also, they could just start redoing the conspiracies on September 12th. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Going to move to a different office. Yeah, exactly. So this, this whole section, this whole section here basically collapsed. Um, you know, and they, uh, they, they had to trash that part of the building. Um, mm. And, um, yeah, they, 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 they started rebuilding, like, instantly. Um, oh, the fucking the let's, let's roll, roll sign. countdown let's count roll. counter here. Yeah, they, they gave the contract to the people who had just finished doing the renovation to rebuild that whole section of the Pentagon. Ah, so they're behind it. Yeah. Generate more business. <laughs> they want more business, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Facina up here, I assume, is uh, Italian for Saudi Bin Laden group. Um, <laughs> investigate asbestos removal contractors yes in uh like dc nova <laughs> um yeah so after after you know the dust had settled they cleared everything out um you know 
they uh they had to rebuild this part of the Pentagon, right? Um it took exactly one year, right? The renovated section opened September eleventh, two thousand and two. Right. I was gonna ask what that the what the, the countdown, the countdown was, for. was. Yeah, they 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 got they can get things done fast when they want to, right? Yeah. Um this was followed by like a complete gut renovation of the rest of the Pentagon, lots of security improvements. They moved the um the Richmond Highway. Um and they they wound up having to buy out essentially all the office space in Crystal City to move the Pentagon people into while while they renovated this, right? Including mm. running the Pentagon's internal systems under the ground into the Crystal City office buildings temporarily. Which is genuinely fairly impressive. But. Yes. Yeah. Just a, a guy with a backhoe just digging the big pipe that the imperialism runs through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you gotta have it, is the thing. So, you know, this was... um uh, and once they finished the renovation, I think like 10, 15 years later, of course, they vacated Crystal City, which, you know, then no one, that because so much office space was suddenly vacant, you know, it became the cheapest place to rent an office in um, the Washington, D.C. era. And, you know, small domino, uh, United States occupies or, or adds forces to Saudi Arabia, large domino. Amazon relocates to uh, Crystal City. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, like the good news is that um, post 9 11, having uh, successfully pinned it on Saddam Hussein, a guy who uh, bin Laden hated, the, um, uh, the, the United States managed to vastly expand its security apparatus, which meant that there are a lot of new, um, you know, arms of uh, that security and intelligence apparatus that needed housing, such as Amazon.com. Yeah, and then there was, uh, and they they put up a couple big Department of Defense buildings since then in the area. There's this one absolute monstrosity right by um, Interstate 395. I remember watching go, go up when I was in, when I was in high school. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is the biggest, tallest building I've ever seen. I mean, it was like 17 stories, but it was massive. <laughs> mm. Isn't the, um, the NRO out there too? The satellite guys? Um, I think everybody's... Oh, they're in, sh they're in yeah. like Chantilly. Chantilly, which, right. Yeah. This was uh, Shirleyville, if I recall correctly. Mm. Wow. Just massive expansion of the security state out here, and it's just you know led to more and more construction of Department of Defense and Department of Department of Defense related buildings ever since. Um, and the Pentagon. It's weird how this stuff never gets smaller. Exactly. And it's the Pentagon. Ratchet. But <laughs> the good news is the Pentagon is asbestos free now. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. It's important to have a, a healthy war machine. Mm -hmm. So. Now we have to get to the part that everyone's been waiting for. The conspiracy theories. Hmm. You know, and there's lots of like conspiracy theories about like 9-11 that, that are popular in a lot of leftist circles. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, there's sort of the vaguely plausible stuff, like, you know, you, you talk interesting stuff like, well, there sure were a lot of airline stock shorts uh right before 9-11. 
um, or you yeah, know. that that's on the like more plausible end. Is like hmm, a bunch yeah. of bunch of guys, a bunch of finance guys in the Middle East could have had advanced knowledge. Interesting. Yeah, that, that, uh, that sounds about right to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, like a Saudi guy's cousin's cousin got a like a wink and a nod. Yeah, sure. They're doing some um, insider trading on terrorism. Yeah. Yeah, to like stuff that is coincidental but seems incriminating, like the Northeast Air Defense Sector doing a fucking like preparedness drill that day. Yeah. So they had to like We're all, all the fucking good it did. Yeah. yeah. So so like all the phone calls between anybody is like, yeah, is this real or is this like an exercise? No, no, it's real. Or yeah. uh, or you know, Amy McGrath shooting down Flight ninety three. Um. <laughs> um. You know, and then there's like the deliberate intelligence failure stuff, which you know is like, well, did did Bush really do nine eleven? Was Clinton involved no. in doing nine eleven? Right? No, he <laughs> yeah. just took advantage of the situation. Yeah. yeah. Although that, there is there is one thing, which is that uh, the the most popular conspiracy theory and the most successful conspiracy theory about nine eleven, because it is a conspiracy theory, is that um, Iraq was involved. In the planning or execution of 9/11, that is a good because, point. Yes, but because oh. that was a conspiracy theory that was advanced by uh, the president mm -hmm. and by members of Congress, that's not a conspiracy theory. That was like a very serious narrative that everyone needed right. to take seriously. Yes, that's a very good point. Um, and then there's like the conspiracies that you know I think are harmful, which because they're not correct, um, and I think that 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 they're depressing, right? And that stuff like Bush put bombs in the towers. And of mm. course, the fucking missile conspiracy, right? Yo, have you seen this extremely grainy three frames of footage? Because this bro, shit looked like a missile me, to me. Right? Does there's, that look like a tip, bro? You, you, know, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this. Um, those, three, those three frames contain neither a missile nor a plane, right? Mm. So oh, okay. inconclusive. It's just a really big bird moth, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people still think that, uh, you know, rather than a guy flying the plane into the building, right, there was a much, much more complex and insidious plan involving the plane being disappeared into some kind of black site. And then, I don't know, they go and shoot all what? the passengers and crew. And then the military what? flew a <laughs> missile into the building, right? Yeah. Which sure. seems... A lot more difficult to me. It seems like a, that doesn't seem like it's worth the effort. Yeah, mm. and th this is sort of because of the aforementioned lack of damage to the facade, the small hole in the building, and the lack of plane debris in all the pictures, right? And of course, the security footage doesn't really clearly show any kind of vehicle, right? Yeah, um, it's like, what? Why would why would you have this attack that's very ineffective against uh, like a, a, a military target? And then ones that are very, very effective against civilian targets. And it's like, uh, well, because nobody had actually flown an airliner into a building before this on purpose. Yes. And so nobody really knew how, how it worked or if it would like work well. Another, another popular theory is that the military flew like a, a drone into the building, right? You know, they drones that good then. Yeah, and again, no. and again. Don't they really also, have drones that good now. Yeah, they also made a plane disappear with all its passengers but they also yeah, they, kill, they killed the solicitor general's wife yeah because and, and then they put fake plane debris in the building you know as opposed to just flying and then the plane so fast, into the no building notice, right yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So and, and the people on the the Jefferson Davis freeway or whatever who saw uh, the plane go over them. I believe that was Washington Boulevard. Uh, Jeff Davis uh, Parkway was on the other side of the building. Yeah, well, who, like anybody who saw the plane come in, yeah. uh, they're the CIA. And anecdotally, my, uh, my Cub Scout uh, den leader at the time um, was in the Pentagon when this happened. Hmm. Um, and he didn't Doing know- Doing 9-11. Yeah, he, he was on the other side of the building- and didn't know anything had happened for 30 minutes. Mm. <laughs> it's a big building. It's a big building, yeah. <laughs> it's a big building. Um, you know, obviously, I, I don't think you can fully refute the conspiracy theory by talking about it, right? People are going to believe what they, be- they believe, right? Right. I think it is worth noting the uh, lack of explosion damage in the building that would arise from a missile hitting it, right? Right. You would expect that facade, rather than staying largely intact, right, the missile goes in the building and explodes, and then the facade falls outwards. Yeah, because that, that's what it's designed to do. And right. also, like, if it's the US government doing this, then they know what the fucking building is like, mm-hmm. right? This like, is true, so, yes. <laughs> One of the things that really bothers me, uh, sort of anecdotally, is this almost like gospel on part of the left? That it was like an inside job. Yeah. And if you sort of believe more or less the official narrative, you're like a mark. And no, man, it was just terrorists doing terrorist stuff that the United States government then took advantage of to launch two wars and increase the size of the surveillance state and military state, which they were going to do anyway, maybe just a little slower. Yeah, I, I I think one of the depressing things about this is 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 you know if you believe ideas like you know there was a missile Bush put bombs in the towers, right? There's sort of this incredible state capacity that the United States has in order to like coordinate such a thing, which involves thousands and thousands of people who aren't all CIA agents, right? Right. Um, Some of them are just the going thing, to work. Yeah, and and and. And keep it a secret somehow, right? But also not that <laughs> secret because you and your friends know about it, and a guy with a silenced pistol hasn't killed you yet. Exactly. Right. And 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 I think if there's any kind of like nine eleven was an inside job conspiracy that's like plausible, right? It would have to involve like twelve people at most, right? Mm-hmm. One of whom is Bin Laden. And two of whom are Dick Cheney and H.W. Bush. Yeah, um, they got them in yeah. the room and they were like, yeah, for old times' sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah you want to do 9-11? <laughs> Bin Laden's like, what's 9-11? Oh, you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the important news is that we did compromise Osama Bin Laden to a permanent end, so justice yeah. has been done um, at, at only the small cost of 20 years of war in Afghanistan and also and invading and occupying plus human Iraq yeah. for no real reason. Yes. Yeah. We did yeah. it, America. But I don't know if this is like, you know, people want to make this, you know, a part of a, a false flag strategy attention, you know, domestic gladio thing. I, I, I just don't think so. I think this is just something the state took advantage of rather than something the state orchestrated intentionally. Right. I mean, I they did kind that. of orchestrate it unintentionally, but... Yes. 
Yeah, I, I, that's that's what I have to say about the conspiracy theories. I, I just don't think I just don't think they're plausible, and I don't think they're necessary to like understand state no. power no. or like the military industrial complex. It's just not. It's just it's it's too it's too big. It's too like it 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 it's exciting and interesting uh, evil as opposed to banal evil, which is the usual kind. Yeah, well, like, the the depressing thing, and the thing that really gets me is that, like, okay, if 9-11 had never happened, or, like, if it had been thwarted, right, say, say I don't know, you go back in a time machine, and you tip off the FBI, and the FBI believe you, and all 20 guys get arrested at the airport, right? The, the thing that really depresses me is that, like, had 9-11 not happened, or had it not succeeded, I think the United States would have invaded Iraq anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. W wanted a war. And, and and one of the things actually this is another I'm just settling my grievances here, is that oh, the war was for oil. And it's like it's actually a lot less complicated than that. W wanted yeah. a war. Yeah. There's a man ruled by his ego who saw a guy that quote tried to kill my daddy and uh and just he was gonna get a war one way or the other. I mean the Pentagon makes there's memos and shit that mm -hmm. make that very clear. Yeah, like that's the one thing that you actually can be very reductive about is like no, they they invited Iraq because they wanted to. They knew that they were lying to do it, but it, you know they wanted to do it, so they did. Yep. What are we going to talk about for the third nine eleven episode? Building in 9 seven. 11, 2022. Oh, building no. seven. Building oh. seven. Oh. Building oh. seven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse every time you chant it, man. Why do you have that big foam finger that says "Building seven? So someone Where did make, you get that? Someone make one of those and send it to me. <laughs> no. Oh, Ross, I have so many gifts from the P.O. box for you the next time I see you, baby boy. I'm tired of this shit all living in my Excellent. room, so you're gonna Excellent. get some of it. Mail right. me a care package. Yes. Alright. Yes. I got to. Send me your address. Alright. So, um, if that's everything we got, I think um, that's it. I think we ne I think we we never forget it. Ne never never forget that the Pentagon suffered partial damage on 9/11. That's right. Um and obviously a lot of people were killed as well. Um mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you what though, aside from flying uh, an airliner full of like normal people into it, it's a hell of a lot more of a justifiable target than anything else that uh, Al-Qaeda did on 9-11, and also a lot of things that the US destroyed in the war since. Yes. <laughs> it was kind of a military target, at least. Yeah. Well, not kind of a military target, definitely a military target. Um, anyway, so, we have a segment on this podcast called Safety Third. Shake hands with danger. Hello. I like this picture. Yes. <laughs> in Rod we trust. Yes, in Rod we trust. Back when I studied <laughs> physics at my old university, the physics department, as well as nearby institutes, had a number of issues that would fit here perfectly, though a lot of them were not exactly engineering problems. Now, this is a story mostly from older generations of students, right? We had an old professor emeritus who was an accomplished nuclear physicist that used to be a professor to the oldest other professors at the time, right? Mm. And was much more lively than any of them, right? 
we considered his continued existence to be a piece of anecdotal evidence of radiation hormesis, right? <laughs> that's the that's the theory All that right. low doses of radiation are actually good for you, mm. right? Um, back when he was retiring from teaching students near the end of his final teaching block, he collapsed due to a lung problem and was taken to the hospital where they x-rayed him to maybe figure out a cause. Due to the result of the x-ray being unbelievable, the technicians checked their machine and tried again. Then they dismantled the machine, checked it, saw that it should work, and then tried again. After the third time, they finally confronted him. We have a problem with the machine, they said. You appear to be transparent. <laughs> he replied, Oh, I forgot the cesium. Then he pulled a pellet of cesium out of his shirt what? pocket. That <laughs> <laughs> was fine. It's, it's just fine. I'm just it sort of uh, safekeeping yeah. this glass of water. <laughs> this is my uh, yeah. emotional support cesium. Right. Turns out the machine was blinded by all the gamma rays coming from the cesium source. <laughs> Sorry, was your professor fucking Anatoly Diatlov? What the fuck? I, 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 I gained immunity to large doses of radiation <laughs> through exposing myself to large amounts of small doses of radiation. <laughs> Note to the viewers at home, do not do this. Please, please do not try this. This man is a trained physicist. Yo, do you, do you think the guy's lung problem could have been related to just carrying some cesium in his jacket No, pocket? cesium is making him more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just the the nutty professor persona, except he's just carrying radiation sources with him constantly. <laughs> I know, I know in my heart that the jacket pocket that contains that cesium is in like a tweed suit coat. Yes, it's got the elbow patches too. Yes, <laughs> Roz has the same one actually. You'll see it at the next live show. Immediately, yeah, yes, exactly. He does have one. Um, immediately after this, a radiation cleanup effort uh, started in his office. Um, and- <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I forgot this. And like six guys in hazmat suits coming. <laughs> what do you mean, leave it inside the lead light? I, I hate when I'm coming a- back to my office and I open the door and there's a hazmat crew in there. The hazmat crew arrives and opens the door to the office. The fucking demon core is in there. (laughs) Yeah, you're just like I don't know. You're just walking down the corridor to your office, and there's a bunch of guys in hazmat suits, and you're like, "Hey!" And they're like, "Hey!" (laughs) There, you're 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 walking you're walking down towards the office one day, and just a burst of Cherenkov radiation comes out (laughs) the sides of the the cracks in the door. Good lord, what is happening in there? Oh, don't worry about it, that's normal. <laughs> now, when the new building for the oh, physics... More. De- yeah. When the new building for the physics department was constructed, his approach to nuclear safety was well known to everyone, so appropriate measures were taken. So guess what they surrounded his office with? Lead. No. Lead. 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 That, no. that steel that they get off of battleships. No. Uh, yeah, um, 
Fuck. What what's like good cheap shielding? Like like rubber or something? Nope. <laughs> if you guessed lead, you would be wrong, and you wouldn't be the first to try that guess. But the answer was teaching assistance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you stupid rubes. <laughs> that's that's a good that's a good professor right there. <laughs> Thank you, Wacky Radiation Man. Well, that was Safety Third. All right. Uh, our, uh, our, our next, next episode go ahead. will be on the Tacoma Narrows Bridge disaster. Oh, we're keeping the bit up? It's not a bit. Not a bit. It already was last week, last week. Listen. Become a Patreon so you know what the hell we're talking about. Uh, yes. Assuming you're not mad at us by this point. Uh, the bonus episode on the museum is coming. It's been really hard to write. We're really yeah. sorry. We are hoping to get that out. We will get that out this month. I am hoping that when Alice comes back, we can knock out her other motorsports episode. Please keep giving us money. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we may get between two and three bonus episodes out this month just to make up for lost time. Yeah. We will try to pump them out. Do we still have an Alice? Good question. Did Alice drop out? Alice, oh. Alice, we, we, all right. Uh, no, I'm Liam, that's Roz. We, Alice is dead, and we are. Well, yeah. there's your problem. Yes, um, yeah, uh, commercials. Uh, when's the next Franklin coming? It's coming, okay. I swear to God, okay. I just, uh, have been having one of these issues. days. I'm just gonna leak it, I'll leak it. I swear to God, I'll leak it. You have to come over here and steal the file from me. Oh, no. What about Because I'm never at your house. That's a good point. Well, you have to figure out how to render it, too. I could probably learn. Okay. Good luck. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to call that the episode? Yeah. Listen to Kill James Bond. Listen to Lions Live by Donkeys. Um, uh, watch Do Not Eat's videos. R.I.P. Uh, don't do Alice. 9-11. R.I.P. Alice. Um, do not do 9-11. Do not do 9-11. It's our official stance on and this podcast is 9-11 is not something you should do. Yeah. Also, not everything is a conspiracy. Sometimes people act in bad faith to take advantage of situations. I recommend against getting involved in political Islam. Yeah. Um, also, don't do that. <laughs> secularism is good. Wahhabism bad. Can't yes. believe we have to say that. <laughs> that says new train good, car bad is uh, secularism good, Wahhabism bad. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm calling it. That was the episode. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Good night, everybody.